0: Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice, to proven bowhunting tactics, and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian
1: Byrd. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we are three voices of bowhunting, myself and two uh, much more important voices than mine, two of the most recognizable people in the industry, happen to be married to one another, Uh, Levi and Samantha Morgan, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. All
0: right, thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks, Chris. We're excited to be here. Absolutely.
1: You know, it's great to spend time with you guys. A lot of exciting things happening with the two of you, and a lot of exciting things happening here at Peterson's Bowhunting, and kind of amongst all of us, we are um, very, very excited actually to be getting ready to launch just in the real near future here our June issue, which is going to feature Samantha. On the cover, and kind of a big deal for us because you are the first woman ever to be featured uh, at, on the cover of Peterson's Bow Hunting. So, as I said before we started the call, we're probably a little bit beyond, behind the times on that, but but congratulations on that. And honestly, I can't think of a better person, you know, to have as our first woman than you, Samantha, because you've done so much for the sport and you're and you're so accomplished as a bowhunter. So, thank you for being willing to uh, to be a part of this.
0: Well thank you so much. That means a lot to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 true for sure. I mean she is um a lot of people don't see it because she's been, you know, full time mom the last few years, but she is definitely I mean, I've hung with a lot of people, and she is a little killer. I'm I'm so proud of the tra- transformation since we met to now. I mean, she's she's impressive to watch, even Aww, from my you. standpoint. So. Well,
1: you know, the thing is, it kind of it kind of was a perfect storm because this is something that we had been talking about for us at the magazine. Actually, going back to last fall, and as I make plans, mm-hmm. usually in the fall is when I start putting together our plans for the following year and what we're going to do with each issue and of course female participation in bow hunting has really been growing over the last honestly probably for the last 10 or 20 years but it seems like in the last half a dozen years or so the industry you know the manufacturers with with women's product uh, from bows to camouflage uh you know uh backpacks, everything, you know, has really taken off. And then starting to see a lot more in the news, too, just about uh, even here in Pennsylvania. I know you guys live here in PA as well. Uh, Game Commission put out a press release. Over 10% of all the licensed hunters in Pennsylvania now are female. So it's great to see this. So we we wanted to do something to kind of call attention to this trend. And then Samantha just so happened to go out last fall and shoot uh, 194 and 4 eighths inch buck in Kansas and when you showed me the picture of that deer Levi I was like oh my gosh that's it this this is the cover photo and like I said I mean it's absolutely perfect because you know yes you know it shows Samantha but it also shows this buck and it really it, it, it you know it's cool that you know she happens to be a female bull hunter but that's a deer Samantha that like I would absolutely you know kill to kill, you know, and anybody would. So tell me, yeah, me yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, I'll just Tell me a little bit about that hunt and, and you know, I'm I'm gonna assume that's the biggest buck you've ever had, uh and uh how did that all go down?
0: Oh gosh. Okay, where do we start? Should we start about okay, so we go to Kansas every year and it's like our favorite our favorite hunt, our favorite trip of the year. And uh we always take Landon with us and usually it's like a toss up of the who hunts first. And uh Levi seems to always go first I don't know how really I'm good
2: working. at rock paper scissors <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he always seems to hunt first um and so he did this year and he went to to one of his favorite spots this year go ahead and tell your story first about the buck that you killed and then
2: how it well it was like we were in Illinois I shot the biggest deer of my life And I told Samantha to go to that tree that night. She told me she didn't want to. She wanted me to go. Killed the biggest deer of my life. We drive to Kansas. First morning in Kansas, I go to a spot or a farm that we have killed. Samantha's killed a couple really good deer on. Shot a 174-inch buck the first morning in Kansas. Um, First booner. My first booner and the (laughs) biggest buck of my life. And the buck Samantha was hunting we'd had on trail camera all year but hadn't had a daylight picture of since august so we really thought you know it was gonna have to be like a little bit of luck to even get that deer on its feet in the daylight so that's kind of where i left off um for now anyway so
0: yeah so i uh i went into this spot um november 14th and got there late the whole morning was just kind of a mess and um really hot that day. It was like 70 degrees. We had that full super moon going on, just not really thinking it was going to be a day that you were going to see that big of a deer on its feet. Um, I had to get down early because my camera guy had to, um, take another camera guy back to the airport. So I had just texted Levi and I said, Hey, you know, uh, come get us about 10 o'clock. And, uh, Sure enough, um, right after I sent him that text, that buck come over the hill chasing chasing a doe. Um, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I didn't know at first what buck it was. Um, I actually didn't know until I had called Levi after I shot it. I did not know um, what buck I had shot. I just knew that it was a giant. Um, and it's probably a good thing that I did not know how big of a deer I had just killed. Um, but the, I just felt bad for, for Levi though because I had he had just finally killed his booner and then like a couple days later I completely stole his thunder just took the wind out of his sails, and killed a need for bigger deal
1: well you're, <laughs> you're a lot nicer than I am I wouldn't have felt bad for him at all <laughs> <laughs>
2: she did. well if she did I couldn't tell because every year she outdoes me every single oh. year so which is fine I, I love it I get a he, kick out of it. it I really don't well he's
0: Kills more. He hunts more, and he um,
2: kills more. So, well, you know, I guess I got to
0: make the
1: most of it when I go. Yeah, you definitely did uh, on that hunt for sure. So, so 174 and a 194 on the same hunt, like a day apart from each other. No, when did
2: you kill yours, babe? What day? I, I killed them
1: on the 11th, so three okay. days. Above. Three days. Yeah, three. So you guys put like 350 or more inches of
2: antler on the ground in three days between the two. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah it was insane. It'll probably never happen again. So. Probably not. <laughs> um, I can remember so many trips out there where we killed on the 12th day or the 13th day, you know, or, so you know, we'll take these those years where we yeah. killed two really big ones quick.
1: Yeah. Now, you talk about the fact that Levi hunts more, but I think we had talked briefly not too long ago Samantha and you mentioned that you really though even though you might not hunt quite as much as Levi um, you know you do quite a bit and, and of course you're on the show with him regularly um, that you said you've gotten a lot more kind of passionate about the hunting where you feel like you're just the more you're doing it the more like you're just hungry for it can you talk a little bit about like how long have you actually been bow hunting and and, like what have you seen like in your own growth as a bow hunter
0: Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, so I've been bow hunting um, probably since I was about 17 years old. I've actually been shooting a bow since I was eight, but the hunting part of it didn't come for a while later. And uh, it took a lot of my dad begging and asking me to go before I finally committed. Um, And then I did. And uh, killed my first deer and was hooked on it, and I loved it. Um, but I didn't quite uh, love it the way Levi did. Um, when I when I met Levi, I actually um, left Pennsylvania. I moved to North Carolina, and that's where I, we had lived for six years. And this wasn't, like, something that we had talked about in the beginning of, of doing. This wasn't... Um, I guess we had other plans. Like he was a, he was a rock mason and I was going to nursing school and I just remember one day I was I come home from work and leave I was like, "Hey, I need you to quit your job because I want to have a hunting show." And I was like, "What? That's that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but Okay, so I did. That and literally
1: happened I, out of the blue one day after work. He had, he had never yes. talked about that before, and you just come home one day and he mean, said, "Go go in tomorrow and quit. We're gonna have a hunting
2: show." Basically, well, sort like, of. I knew, I knew
0: he had, had this passion for bow hunting, um, but the only place he had ever hunted was the family farm in Ohio. So it's not like he was going all over the place and hunting already and was like, hey, let's do this. I mean it was just I don't know, he just loved it so much, and it's what he's wanted to do since he was a little little kid. So I knew it was always a passion of his, and I knew it was something that was always there, but I just didn't know um, one day that it was just going to be a reality. And and sure enough, I mean, that's basically how the conversation had went. He was just like, hey, I really need you to quit your job. This is what I see us doing. This is what I want to do. And I was a little nervous and scared at first, um, but I did quit my job and I did trust him and I went with it, but it wasn't um, as big of a passion as mine at first as it was for him. I I had to uh, really grow to love it. Um, I was just nervous about more traveling and being gone more and I was nervous about being in front of the camera. It, It wasn't something that I wanted to do since I was a little kid. So it was really, really hard for me at first. Um, but then all of a sudden it was like a light switch come on and I had like the huge change of heart and I went from like just you know, liking bow hunting to absolutely loving it and being obsessed with it, and I feel like now that I love it just as much as he does.
2: Yeah. So from from my point of view, like watching this all, and yeah, it was it was a dream of mine, and it, I guess it wasn't more so much of a, a spur of the moment thing for me as it was Samantha to, to do that. We we were competing full time as well, you know. Yeah, I was a rock mason to. Pay for my habits, but, um, and Samantha was going to nursing school and stuff, but. I, I, you know, we were competing, and and pretty much I had was having to win tournaments to pay our house payment type of thing, and it was a lot of pressure on us. And so, w- with that, we had the support to move into the TV side of thing with our sponsors from the competition side. Um, you know, I did I did my research. I didn't just up one day and say, "Hey, quit your job." We're, that's we're gonna how I remember it. That's how, yeah, that's how she <laughs> remembers it. But I did a lot of. I had a lot of phone calls and stuff just just right to now. see if we would have the backing to even pull that off and and it was a struggle to be honest for a while. But watching Samantha, I've you know, from from what I see, the more she learned about bow hunting the more she would fall in love with it. Like instead of just being put in a tree and not know why she was in that spot and not know why the deer were doing what they were doing, I think she just liked it. But the more she learned why she wanted to go to this spot and why the deer were doing this this time of year. Um, she got it, like um, I mean that yeah. that total bow hunting package of, of of all the different things that make it awesome, not just shooting an animal, you know. So over the years, I've just watched her learn more and uh, and love it more every year. Yeah. Now, you guys are fairly typical in that
1: uh, you're not very typical in a lot of ways, but in, in this way, you are in that. I think a lot of women uh, come into bow hunting either through, like you did, Samantha. You know, you you bow hunted with your dad. You know, when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, obviously, uh, as you met Levi and and your relationship with him, you've gotten more involved with it. Um, I think family uh, is is a big part of uh, bow hunting for everybody. But I think women, in particular, either through a significant other, through a dad, and spending time with family, is a big part of it. Uh, What do you see as you travel the country? You're at competitions. You're on your your hunt filming you're at you know outdoor shows what kind of feedback do you hear from women uh you know what do you feel that mostly draws them to the sport and you know do you feel like you've had a role in you know helping other ladies kind of discover archery and bow hunting
0: um yeah i definitely do think that i have had a role i've actually just uh, answered this question the other day and uh you know i think what draws women to the to the sport is the fact that they feel that they can, um, this is something that they can do with their husband. Um, and when I got started in it, um, you know, there was already women that had come before me that kind of made getting into it a lot easier, um, like Tiffany Likoski and um, Candy Kiski and Vicky Cincerell. I mean, these, these women were already there, just kind of like paving the way for other women. So it was definitely an easy transition for me to get into the industry and and it's all been great and positive feedback but the biggest thing for me is Levi is gone so much and traveling so much for for the show if I was the type of wife that that wasn't into it and I didn't care for it I mean I would just be home all the time and I would never get to see him Um, so I feel really blessed that it is something that the two of us are able to do together that we absolutely love and share the same passion for and now Now we have Landon and we are family and he is getting into it and he's starting to love it. Um, So I think that is a huge thing that draws women to is the fact that, you know, they don't feel like they have to just sit at home all the time while their husband is out hunting. You know, they can get out there and they can do it too and they can bring the kids along and we're on the road together. I mean, Levi does travel a lot, um, but it's awesome that I get to go and we get to take Landon and he gets to do everything and see everything and, and he, I don't know, it's just, it's It's a really great family sport. Um, and I would say that's, like, the biggest thing, I would think, for a lot of women.
2: Now, yeah. And I, go ahead. I, no, just looking at, you know, some of the girls, I mean, sometimes I see things because I'm kind of standing back watching Samantha and how she interacts with people. And, she, and you know, it's no secret, Samantha's you know, she's beautiful. And so I think a lot of girls... You don't say. You know, think... <laughs> yeah. T- well, a lot of girls think, you know, well, hunting's a, you know, that's a manly sport. That's for, like you know, really manly women, but it's not, you know, so I think it's really helped a lot of girls see Samantha, and like Girls like Tiffany and, and all the other ones that are really pretty, pretty women and and say, hey, you know, I can I can do this too. I don't have to be a tomboyish. I don't have to dress like a boy. I can I can be a girly girl and go hunt. You know, so I've seen tons of, of young girls come to me and say, hey, I got into I got into archery because you. I got into bow hunting because you. I saw you on a video and yeah. I thought it was so cool that a, a pretty girl was doing this. So I think um, it's really opened the eyes more than anything to girls that hey hunting is an everybody sport you know whether you're pretty or skinny or whatever you know it doesn't matter you can enjoy it with your family and the people that you care about so yeah
1: speaking speaking of pretty girls let's talk a little bit briefly because i don't even know the story myself how exactly did you guys meet was it both, uh, were you both shooting competitively? Is that what brought you guys together? Or, tell me about that,
2: Levi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, go way. ahead. No, I'm just laughing at the whole story. Go ahead.
0: No, he asked you.
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so, <laughs> I was a little chubby kid, but... I, we always shot the national, you know, tournaments since we were little. Um, and I was from North Carolina. Samantha was from Pennsylvania. But she was always the prettiest girl at the tournaments, you know, and there was no question. You know, Samantha Klein came around. I was like, my heart was up in my throat. I couldn't talk. Oh my and, gosh. But I was the dorkiest kid ever. I, you know, my parents dressed me horribly. Is this, is this right, Samantha? On. Was he super? Oh gosh. Was he nerdy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah he's is right he's
2: he's right i mean i was a kid with <laughs> jean shorts on knee socks hiking boots a polo shirt tucked in i mean it was horrible so um but the one thing i did have going for me is i won all the tournaments when we were younger so uh, but no i had such a crush on her growing up and then when i quit i quit shooting competitively when i was about 14 um and started playing sports in high school and when i graduated high school i turned professional and came back um, and that's whenever I I saw her for the first time when I was 18 again After you know, we were kids, pretty much, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" You know, and I wasn't a chubby kid anymore. I kind of grew up. (laughs) That's when we started. He grew up and he
0: grew into his ears. So
2: (laughs) I don't know about
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, so you guys have been together pretty much since like you were about eighteen or so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Since two thousand and six.
1: And when did you guys get married?
0: Uh, September 13, thousand
1: and eight. Well, she remembers the day. Would you have gotten that one, Levi?
2: No, I was getting ready to say it. I, <laughs> you just cut me off.
1: So, and, and like you said, and now you've got you've got Landon. And how old is he now? Four. Okay, yeah. so he's four. And um, yeah. So, so it's a total family affair now, and uh, now are you still, obviously, you know, and we're going to get to you, Levi. I love this interview, by the way, because here, <laughs> let me just put this in perspective. I think everybody who's listening realizes this, but I probably have arguably the best archer on the planet, on the line, and we don't really care about him because Samantha is so much more entertaining. <laughs> She's so much more interesting. I could talk to her all day, Levi. You're just kind of like other guy on this call I know that um, hey I know my role here So, so but I, but I want to hear more about Samantha and we'll get to you Levi so be patient I promise we've got some time um, hey I'm not worried about it are you, are you still competing quite a bit Samantha have you dialed that back with being a mom and maybe having to like you say stay home a little bit more because you can't you know constantly be on the road what's your schedule like these days
0: um, I actually am still competing. I, um, never, I've never i never taken a full year off um, with being pregnant with Landon, and then even right after having him, I've never taken a full year off, but I have cut back on a lot of uh, the archery tournaments that I go to because um, basically I can only shoot the ones that I, I have a babysitter for. Um, so I am still competing, but it's definitely a lot different than what it used to be. I'm not going to lie. It's a... Uh, It's a struggle. It is um, just to find the time, actually, one, to get out and practice and then two, finding someone to watch Landon while I do shoot. Actually now, you know, with him being four years old, he is getting a little older where I can actually take him with me. Um, And the past, this past ASA that we were at actually did take him out on the range with me for the first time and he did amazing. Um, So yeah, I am still competing, but it's not, it's not going as good as I would hope for it to be, but I just don't have it in me to to sit back and not do it. So
1: I'm out there. Well, and let's talk, you know, again, briefly. It's probably interesting because there probably are a lot of people that you guys run into, maybe not at the shoot so much because those folks know you as a competitor, but maybe out at the shows or just wherever, they – you know, Levi has obviously become so recognizable, uh, you know, as a target shooter because of all of his success, you know, in the 3D realm. People may not realize, you know, you're a quite an accomplished, you know, archer in your own right. And uh, just give me a couple highlights. I mean, I, I hate to ask you to brag on yourself, but tell me a couple you know things that you've done in this world or levi maybe you want to jump in and brag on your your wife for a minute here
2: i would love to i would love to brag on i mean yeah it is true a lot of people don't see what samantha has accomplished and and you know sometimes you know i think back and look and she was the top women shooter whenever i came back and whenever we were young 18 19 she was the top pro female um, in the world you know to go along with all of her good luck so I was hooked you know obviously from the beginning but um, I feel like I had a part you know in her not you know you know kind of taking a step back, because, you know, we took, we, we you know, made a family together, a life together, and then, you know, when life happens, you know, you're not 18, 19 anymore, and, and she has been the one that, you know, when somebody had to watch Landon, she watched Landon, but Samantha's won, you know, the Women's Pro world Shooter of the Year. We actually won Shooter of the Year together one year, the only couple to ever do that, mm-hmm. um, and Samantha's, I mean, gosh, she won countless national titles and, and you know, a lot of that was early on in our our career before together, Landon. before landing, you know, yeah. and now she just can't get out and practice, you know, and this is not a you know, it's not something that just happens just because you want it to, I mean, you have to work at it yeah. Samantha has the ability at this very moment, there is no doubt in my mind that if she started working again hard at it if she had the time and wasn't such a great mother and, and such a great wife and 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 all the other things she does she would dominate like she did when she was younger she still has the ability she just doesn't have the time anymore to to put into it and all these younger girls are coming on and, and they're talented and work hard and it's hard to compete with that when you don't have the time to put in like like they do. So, sounds like what um, what he's saying, Samantha, is that
1: everything was going awesome for you until he come along and, and ruined it for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's not. Uh, no,
0: that's not it at
1: all. No, I know. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't trade any of it for having, you know, for being, you know, mm-hmm. a couple more tournament victories, right? But uh, so no. so let's talk about let's transition from that then and get into a little bit more shooting stuff and probably the place to start because it. Was big news here at the beginning of 2017 you guys uh, had been with Matthews for a long long time and then you, you went and, and shot with the lead and, and you came back to Matthews this year so talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit about you know the decision to come back to Matthews and let's talk a little bit about the the bows that you guys are shooting for this year
2: He's no, I, I Whoever care. I wants to go, jump you, in, have <laughs> <at> it. <laughs> he, told me, he, told um, me he told me to shut um, up and go, so I...
0: <laughs> Oh,
2: whatever. <laughs> um
0: no we just um we just come back to the place that was uh most comfortable for us and the place that feels like home and like you just said i mean we shot for matthews actually leave i shot for matthews a whole lot longer than i have um but i started shooting matthews when i was um 17 years old and uh yeah i feel like honestly besides the three years that we were at elite i've shot matthews my whole entire life and uh It just was the best decision for our family. They're an amazing company and amazing people to work with. And it just, I mean, it just... The right thing to do this year. Um, and I'll let Levi
1: take that over because. I, I, I want to yeah, I mean, well, touch on one thing, Levi, ahead. before I let you talk. Talk about. I know you shot that giant buck, Samantha, with the Avail, yeah. which is a big, yeah. a big thing for Matthews this year. They've got it's a brand new women's bow, and they really incorporated, uh-huh. you know, all the same technology that you'd get, you know, like in the Halon line in, into that women's bow. Talk to me a little bit about the Avail, and uh, was that. You know, maybe how many animals you know you were able to even take with it last year hunting with you know a, a kind of an advanced version there before it was was even out to the public.
0: Um, yeah, actually, I did. Um, I only killed two animals last year, but both of them were with the avail, and um, yeah, I actually before I had really heard much about the bow, I had planned on shooting a halon and then the avail came on the scene and Levi was just like, You're gonna love this bow. It's supposed to be awesome, like a great woman's bow and I was like, Okay, yeah, let's let's set it up. Let's give it a try and oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I did. Like it, it's the I mean not just saying it it's the best hunting bow that I personally have ever shot and I remember last fall standing out there practicing with Levi at like 50, 60 yards and shooting just as good of groups with him
2: Um, better groups than me
0: well I didn't want to say it
2: (laughs) (laughs) just say it Um, so what's what's
1: your what's your favorite thing about that bow what makes it so good in your opinion
0: I don't know everything. I don't know. I don't know if I have one thing about the bow, but I'll tell you what. I love it so much that I'm actually still competing with it. I this whole year, I um, I've had I I just I still got my hunting rest on. it. I still got my drop away rest on it. I'm actually shooting it in tournaments right now because it's such a good little shooting bow. It's like the perfect women's
1: bow. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and it's going to be a hard to get away from it.
1: And Levi, what? Uh, obviously, you're shooting multiple bows. I'm sure you're shooting. You know something different, maybe in your competitions as you are in the field. But what are your bows for 2017?
2: Well, I hunted. I'm hunting with a Halon 32, and yeah, I loved it. I shot it all fall, and um, little thing is a shooter. And yeah, when I went to tournaments, you know, one of the things we love so much about Matthews is having so many options to, to choose from. I mean, they have. Anything you could want in a bow, you can find it in one of their models. So, competition for me being a super long drawing guy, I I wanted a long axle to axle for that string angle. Um, And so, I went with the TRX-8 um, for competitions for now. That's, That's the one I'm shooting, been shooting all year, and really started to fall in place with it really in the last month, just really get to know it real well and start clicking with it and we've made some adjustments um with some engineers on the mods um making some more higher let off mods and getting a different feel for that trx which are fixing to come available here in uh, a couple weeks so uh we're you know, pumped about that. Just kind of getting that feel perfect on that TRX, and and I am absolutely loving that boat for competition right now. But um, yeah, so we're so pumped to be back at Matthews. I we I shot Matthews from the time I was eleven. Um, so gosh, and to do such a long term deal with with them, it was just – it is a big monkey off of our back because. In, in this business, you know, you can find yourself every year, you know, uh, under that pressure of not knowing what, what the future holds. And so we wanted to commit long term to each other, um, us and Matthews, just to show, Hey, we're in this for the long haul. We want to partner with you guys and do great things and, and not have to worry about what's going to come next year or the year after that. So it was um, a really cool thing. They are like family to us have been throughout the past few years, even when we weren't shooting for them. Um, They've just been great friends of ours and uh, the kind of people, the kind of company we want to partner with.
1: Now, I want to kind of ask you maybe a little bit of a a tough or or tricky question, Levi. People probably always want to know, or maybe there's a debate. It's one of those never-ending debates. It's like if we wanted to try and argue about broadheads. And you know, we could argue about, right. is it is it the shooter or is it the bow? And, you know, if I wanted to draw an analogy, let's just go to another sport. Let's go to baseball, okay, and think about somebody like Mike Trout. Mike Trout's an awesome baseball player, and he's a great hitter. And he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And it probably doesn't matter if he swings an Easton bat or a Louisville slugger. Right? He's still probably going to hit 35 home runs this year. And so I'm sure you get people that ask you all the time you know, you won a lot of tournaments with Matthews. You won a lot of tournaments with Elite. There's other guys out there, you know, that, that shoot other brands of bows and win tournaments. Um, you know, so, so that's the question. You know, is it the bow? Is it the archer? You know, is it both? And, and how much does it really matter in your mind? Or could the greatest, you know, archer in the field you know, pick up kind of a little bit of everything and still be better than most?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of it's mostly, you know, 95% the shooter. I mean, the great archers that are out there right now, even if they took a subpar bow, they would would build it. They know how, they know the things that shouldn't happen. They know things that are going to go wrong, so they're able to prevent that from happening, you know, and, and take preventive measures there, but... Um, there are better bows than others. I mean, and and m- mainly because of feel. You know, every bow has a different feel. Every bow company has a different cam design or um, that's going to make it roll over different, a holding weight different. Uh, it's going to have a spongy back wall or a hard back wall. So it's really what... <laughs> I've seen great archers switch companies and totally tank because that boat, they could not get the feel that they had trained their self to shoot. So, a lot of guys pull hard and need a little bit of give in the back wall. Well, they go to a company that doesn't have that and it's just a hard wall and they can't pull hard anymore. It takes a long time for them to retrain themselves. So, not that they're any less of an archer and not that that bow is not as good a bow. It's just the two combined sometimes. Um, take a little more time to, to start to mesh, but I've also seen a lot of lot of shooters switch two or three different bow companies and never break stride. I mean, so all the companies make great bows, um, so I think 99, 95, you know, mostly 95% is going to be the shooter, but um, the bow can come into play with that if it's not the feel that they're looking for. Obviously, you can make any bow shoot well um, just by changing, changing a little bit of things on it, knowing how to work on it the right way, being a, a bow tech yourself. Um, which all of these great archers are so. Sure. I don't know if I answered that question very well, but
1: no, you did. I mean, basically, <laughs> what you're saying is, you know, you may have a great shooter and a great bow, but they've got to be matched in style. So there could be one bow. Right. You know, take two great archers and a and a particular bow. One of those great archers might be just shooting the lights out with that bow and winning tournament after tournament, but the other guy, because maybe he's got a little bit different style, it might not be the right pick for him. And he might struggle a little bit with that bow, even though if there's nothing wrong with the bow itself. Exactly right. So let's talk about some of that. What you just said about being a, a bow tech, and and obviously being being a, a champion, you know, world, you know, multiple, multiple, you know, time world champion caliber archer you i'm sure you know get fairly obsessed with your equipment and how everything is set up and when you go into a big tournament you leave you know nothing to chance you've got everything dialed in exactly how you want it um obviously at peterson's Bow Hunting, you know our audience is bowhunters we're more concerned maybe with the field than we are with competition but i would imagine that there's a lot of things that you've learned as a Competitive shooter that have translated over into making you a better bow hunter?
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's all about making a mistake, not seem like not be as bad, you know, it's all about making your setup as forgiving as possible and if, if there's, you know there's no reason why every hunter in the world wouldn't want to do that, I mean if it's it makes a difference in you you know, recovering the animal of a lifetime or, or missing him or, or wounding him or whatever that might be I think if if you knew before you went in the field, if you didn't do this you're going to lose the biggest animal you ever shot at, you would probably do that you know, but that, that could very possibly be the case and so I I am um, a little more now than ever probably obsessed with tuning and and just really making sure our stuff is perfect. Um, I feel like back when I was younger, you know, a lot of things we didn't know then. You know, a lot of things that the technology we have now, we didn't back then. And it was, you know, more of an ignorance is bliss type of state that I was in. And I won a lot of tournaments. But the more you learn, the more you worry about, you know, and so now I I feel like I know so much about tuning bows and building arrows and things that can go wrong because it's happened to me over the last, you know, 15 years that I've, um, I am very obsessed with fine tuning my setup, but I've seen it pay off multiple times too. And more than any place in hunting, um, because, you know, you can, you can pretty much shoot anything in the backyard, but when you really know and notice that your stuff isn't tuned very well is when you're nervous and under a lot of pressure. Sure. Um, and that's hunting when that big buck walks out, that's whenever it gets down to the fine Finals and, and you're you know not as steady as you were on your qualifying match. You know that's when all that fine tuning makes the biggest difference. So So I think it's a a huge, a huge thing for hunting.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that, uh, you know, the average bow hunter, okay, let's say he's going to get a new bow, or a used bow, or whatever, he's going to get a bow, he goes into the pro shop, he's going to maybe shoot a, a handful of bows, he's going to pick one out, and he's going to pay that pro shop owner for a setup fee, and they're going to get him dialed in, probably going to be hitting, you know, uh, shooting, you know, say 4 or 5 inch groups at 20 yards the day he walks out of that bow shop it's tuned it's tuned halfway decent but that is not necessarily completely optimized what are a few of the key things that Levi Morgan really looks at you got a new bow you know are you are you fiddling with that rest are you fiddling with those cables and cams are you you know spending extra time you know customizing a stabilizer setup give give the listeners you know, some things that they really, in your opinion, know, like these are the things that you ought to pay attention to because like you said, they will potentially be the difference between, you know, that perfect shot versus
2: a wound or a miss in that high pressure situation. Right. Well, I think the first and foremost, absolute main thing that has to happen, or any of this other stuff, doesn't matter. Is that bow has to fit you perfectly. Um, your drawing has got to be perfect. Um, because when you, you know, get in that tree stand and start shooting downhill, or you're sheep hunting or elk hunting, and you're shooting uphill and side hill, and, and that drawing's not right, I don't care how tuned that bow is, how how I don't care how well you shot it on flat ground your yard it's not going to repeat because that your drawing has got to be perfect okay so
1: so talk to me about what uh, happens let's say your draw length is a little too short or a little too long what's
2: breaking down there uh, during the shooting process okay so so in the shooting process you work off straight lines you know um, you're Release hand should follow a straight line out to your elbow and it should be on the same plane as your arrow, you know, that level line. And same with your bow arm. Well, when you're too short, that elbow starts to come up um, and your elbow will be above your release hand um, and sometimes wrapped around on your face side of your body. So, and then when you're too long, your elbow will be below your release hand and come and kind of wrapping around your back. A lot of times you'll see people leaning back trying to get get into their feet when their draw length is too long. So when it's too short, a lot of times you're going to... Well, either or, it's more of a left and right issue than an up and down issue Um, because what happens is there's a certain amount of pressure. Everybody applies to the bow, um, holding the bow and with their release hand pulling it to keep it at full draw. Well, when it's too short, that pressure is harder to repeat because you, you start to bend everything and it's not working on straight lines you're relying more on muscle than you are on bone to keep yourself at full draw um, so as that muscle changes when if you first start to shoot and your muscles are tight um, you might be pulling a little harder um, and then as you relax and your muscles break in you're going to start seeing that go back to the left You know, again with your impact because you're starting to relax and not pull on it as hard with your release hand so it just creates so much... Inconsistency. Um, Inconsistencies, um, you know, all around. And so, and when you get nervous, you tense up, pull harder, push harder. um, And so everything just starts to break down. And you can imagine when you take that off of level ground and even go to a downhill shot and you're too short a draw, it's going to be almost impossible to even get in your peep at that point, you know, because that shortens your draw anyway when you're shooting downhill. So um it it's um that's just the most important thing i could talk all day on what could happen and what could go wrong in certain situations No, that's good you so have to so, make sure
1: so draw length is yeah. critical you know and and there so is. you want to make sure that you get measured up and and don't don't uh don't overlook that for starters no, give me give me right. point,
2: point number 2 Point number two, well, you're going to want to tune it. I mean, and there's so many things to do that tune the arrow to the bow. Uh, Before you do that, you want to time it. Most every bow nowadays is a two cam bow. So you're going to want to time those two cams together. Uh, Most archery shops know how to do that. So before you leave there you want to make sure it's in perfect time um well
1: talk and talk, talk, talk about want, strings too because uh you know back in the day that was always a problem right the, before the the better materials that we have now strings would stretch cables would stretch and bows that might be in time the day you bought them wouldn't be in time you know a few weeks or months yeah, later after 100 shots um uh, right. what uh you know what do you do about strings do you shoot factory strings you do stop. you use custom strings and how I big are what deal do
2: you yeah. think it is? I use factory strings. Whatever comes on those, you know, the bows Matthew sends is the ones we use. And so, like, honest to God, it used to, when, I mean, even seven eight years ago we would put strings on a stretcher um we'd hang them with like a hundred pound weight overnight um and then we would string our bows with them um because and that's how far we've come now like i just i got this drx just as an example set it up in in late november getting ready for tournament season um timed it, shot it through probably January, checked it again it was in time and then I haven't checked it until actually yesterday I put it on last chance draw board and it was still in perfect time um, and that's hard to do and sometimes even nowadays you're not going to get that but most of the strings now um, are not going to stretch to the point where you come way out of time on that bow but it is good to you know if you go into the pro shop you know a couple months later, a month later you don't have a draw board at your house or way to time it hey you know could you guys check every time you go in there have them check it make sure it's still in time Um, and I think you'll be fine but you know having that that tune that's one of the things after you time it, you tune it, you can always shoot it through paper at your house. You know? And if it comes out of tune, then you might know that your timing's off to, to even take it back in and check it. So once you time it and then you tune it to get a, a correct tear through paper, um, then you're ready to go shoot. You know, so then you can go, if it starts shooting funny, you feel like it's not grouping well, go shoot it through paper again. You're not tearing a bullet hole. Maybe this thing's out of time, and that's when you should, you know, some red flags should start going up, but... um I think that's kind of the step you should take is perfect drawings, time the bow, tune the bow, um, and a million little things in between that we don't have time to talk about. But um, those are the main things you want. It's a, a good tune, good time and perfect drawings. Um, two, and two, then other than that, it's kind of a uh, human error.
1: Two more, <laughs> two, two more, two more tech topics that I'd like you to hit briefly. Um, Okay. Arrow, arrow rests okay for hunting particularly I, I mean I certainly you know I, I'm a, I shoot a drop away rest uh, shirts yeah. you know shot shot plenty of full capture rests in the past you know whisker biscuits hostage rests um, from a from a purely practical standpoint in in bow hunting you know is there much difference in your mind between you know a capture rest versus a drop away rest and, and when you set up a rest on your hunting bow What are maybe some things that you always look for?
2: Yeah, I um, I always use a drop-away when I'm hunting. Uh, we use a QAD ultra-rest. It's just the most reliable in our pain, you know, just never, you know, had any kind of issues with them. And I do that because I don't want any. So when you shoot veins and those things touch anything in flight, it can affect your arrow flight tremendously. So I want to shoot a complete drop-away rest when I'm hunting. It's harder to do with bigger arrows when you're in uh, competitions and stuff like that. plus the tongue. The lizard tongue on our competition setups doesn't drag our our veins because of the big diameter arrows. But when you're shooting little arrows, hunting scenario type stuff, I always shoot a drop away. And the main thing you want is total clearance. You don't want those veins touching anything on the bow on the rest whenever it goes by. And we go to the point of even powder testing. It's what we call our bows. We'll take athletes, foot spray, tough actin, tenactin, spray down our riser and our rest and shoot our arrows through that. And it shows if any drag marks, if that arrow touches anywhere on that riser, or on that, that rest, um, shelf or anything. Um, and so we want total clearance. And that's why I shoot, uh, um, you know, the dropaways, the, the, QAD type type rest for hunting. Um, I just feel like um, that's the best scenario. Now, I know the whisker biscuit for, for young people and, and kids getting into the industry or getting into hunting whatever, that's going to be a really easy thing that they don't have to worry about or think about. But I do think it should in, evolve into the QAD type, you know, drop away style rest sure. um, as they evolve as a hunter. Um, just because they're never going to be able to be as, as accurate and, and efficient as they could be um, otherwise. You know, I, I feel, I, I shot a Whisker Biscuit when I was little. Yeah. Um, well, they're, I are a lot of deer with a Whisker sure, Biscuit. They're foolproof. Know,
1: so. <laughs> they're foolproof and like you right. said, they're, they're great for kids too. You don't have to worry about anything going wrong. Nothing's going to come loose right. and they're kind of indestructible. Um, right. Okay, last tech, te- techie thing or equipment thing. Uh, arrows. You know, I'm sure that when you shoot in competition, uh, you're probably shooting a little bit of a lighter arrow for for maybe a flatter trajectory when you're hunting and you're specifically setting up an arrow for hunting tell me about the kind of arrow you prefer diameter wise weight wise material wise uh you know and what do you think is ideal in your experience for a hunting application
2: well we shoot gold tip mainly you know because they're 100 percent pure carbon they are the straightest and 100 percent pure carbon has the best memory um you can bend it slam it do whatever you won't put it back on a spine tester it's dead straight and that's you know that in my opinion 100 percent pure carbon is the best way to go with a hunting arrow. it's the toughest straightest with the best memory um i want a small diameter as i can when i'm hunting um just for wind for um you know shooting long distance uh, penetration a lot of different reasons um velocity is about as big a diameter as i'll go which is a 0.246 diameter um and then uh, if I'm going on sheep hunts, elk hunts, something like that, I even this past year hunted with the uh, kinetic pierce um, with the outsert, which is a little bit tougher, um, protects that arrow. It's a smaller diameter, um, it's a little heavier um, type scenario. But for, you know, whitetails, muley, stuff like that, I, I normally hunt with the velocity, which is a lighter arrow. I can put the weight kind of where I want to, um, shoot a little quicker. I'm normally not shooting long, long range at whitetail so um i'm not as worried about wind drift stuff like that gold Gold tip gold tip has a pretty interesting weighting system with
1: some of their inserts where you can actually put weight down into the shaft and screw in the back have
2: you played with that at all Yep. yeah i do more in um tournaments than i do in hunting um, but as far as screwing in the back of, they have it where you can screw it in the back of points and in their inserts. Um, so if if you're looking for more, you know, front and center weight, um, then you, you they have 10 grain, 20 grain, 50 grain weight combinations you can add. You don't have to shoot a. A 150 grain broadhead you can literally screw in a 50 grain point shoot your regular or 50 grain weight shoot your regular 100 grain broadhead and and accomplish the same goal um, so yeah they have that and, and all that affects tuning as well and spine of arrows and the more weight you add to the front or back of an arrow the weaker that spine gets so you we're able to tune a bow by just changing weights in the arrow so if you're getting a high tear, that means your arrows too weak And instead of moving your rest, you can either cut your arrow shorter um, to stiffen it up or take a little weight out of the front of it or the back of it. Um, and a lot of times that'll straighten that right up you know so uh, a tear uh, a tear through paper can mean a lot of things and most of the time we tune that with our arrows instead of our bows so if it's a low tear it means it's stiff we'll cut you know an arrow a little longer put a little more point weight something to weaken that spine up a little bit and get a bullet hole out of it so there's so many things you can do with an arrow and, and you're not just stuck and we're going to be doing a lot of videos on that um, coming up um, and the next over the next year for the web just showing people that you're not stuck you know you get a 300 spine arrow you think you should have got a 400 spine arrow well you don't have to go buy a new dozen arrows there's a way that you can make that spine act just like a 400 you know spine so um, that's that's one of the things we want to we want to kind of teach people so
1: well it's uh like you said you know we could talk all day about tech tips and you know not get all the knowledge that that you have probably worth a shameless plug at this point just to mention to folks uh, if you don't already know uh, you can get Levi's shooting wisdom and and technical expertise every issue of Peterson's bull hunting because in addition to having your wife on the cover we've got you now as a columnist you're doing a monthly column called changing the game and uh, it's great to have you on board I think you've done three or four issues now looking forward to continuing to work with you in the future so uh you know couldn't resist the opportunity to throw that in there and hopefully you're having
2: fun doing that for us yeah i am for sure i always love teaching people and and that's just another Way to do that, and I'm very, very appreciative of, of that opportunity. And I actually was writing one yesterday morning—a pretty cool one, I think people will like. So,
1: good man, I love those guys that meet deadlines. So he wins tournaments and meets <laughs> deadlines. Let's let's sort of end with this, guys, and and kind of bring Samantha back into the conversation here as well. Uh, name the game.
2: Uh, how many years now for your show? Oh gosh, I think five seasons. Name the game, okay, but we. Name the game. Okay. Yeah, I've just named the game. We've been on air since, shoo, gosh, nine nine seasons, maybe. Yeah, yeah, nine seasons. But actually, one of the big things that we've had change this year is the name of the show. We actually, um, with all the changes in our life, we decided if we were going to rebrand. Um, it was a time to do it. It was a perfect storm, long story, but we um, partnered with a huge apparel company in the archery world, which is Bow Life Apparel, and we own now the, uh, the TV trademark for Bow Life, and we are going forward as Bow Life uh, TV. Um, So, Name the Game is a brand that we have kept and we still own, um, but the TV show going forward is going to be called Bow Life. It's just kind of, you know, explains and describes Samantha and I in two words, and literally our entire life, everything about us, so... And um, a little easier for people that aren't in the industry that, when they see that, they know exactly what that means and, and it's self-explanatory. So, so will they do have to.
1: Will that be hunts that you filmed, say, starting last fall that are still in the edit process? Is that all going to be part of the new Bow Life show?
2: Yeah, it is. It's yep. going to be all bow life. We filmed all, all kind of knowing and that's what we were going to do. We had that conversation, and we just were waiting on all the the you know the things that happen that have to happen and legal legal things and stuff like that to to announce it. But we are full force, hundred percent going ahead, and we have all the shows actually in studio right now, and we'll film for bow life. So and when
1: so and you guys are on the outdoor channel, correct? Sportsman channel. Sportsman, I'm sorry, Sportsman Channel. And um, when will Bow Life make its debut, that brand on the It'll be
2: uh it'll be July of uh, seventeen
1: this year. Okay, yep. so starting this summer and that's when people can uh start watching bow life and make sure that they don't miss any episodes so that they can see uh you know, Samantha's giant buck and then some of those lesser bucks that Levi manages to get along the way as well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So oh gosh. So so anything else here before before I let you guys go that I might not have asked you about. What else is going on in your world for Levi and Samantha that's important or big or maybe we didn't touch on and you wanted to let the folks know.
2: Oh gosh. We're just thankful, man, to be to be together and have our family and be doing what we love to do every day and, and yeah. the hunting industry, the archery industry is, is um, really become a big family to us. And we're just, you know, thankful to the Lord to to have that opportunity. Well,
1: I tell you what, I'm thankful to have uh, both of you uh, certainly associated with our brand. Uh, I think that's uh, two very nice feathers to have in our cap. Uh, Appreciate you guys being with us here today. Uh, Always so humble and and generous with your time, which, uh, you know, is great. Uh, for like you say if you talk about the industry being a family one of the best things about the industry is that even though we've got so many talented and accomplished people uh, within the archery community you know most folks uh, you know including yourselves tend to you know stay pretty true to their roots so I wish you guys uh, continued success in the year ahead I'm looking for you know Samantha to add another six inches to the rack this year is going to get a two Hundred and uh levi you know hopefully you can just maybe get... i'll break that 180 yeah yeah absolutely maybe you, you know there you go you know just gotta have something to shoot for and so not if a 140
2: walks out first though i can promise you that
1: <laughs> well there you have it folks it's samantha morgan her sidekick levi here on peterson's bowhunting <laughs> radio again thank you guys so much god bless you Oh,
0: thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand, or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.